Good morning, everyone. Thank you to our hosts for such a gracious invitation and uh, rustic setting, very endearing. So uh, typically, my visits here over the years, I've been lecturing in the evenings and afternoons, Friday and Saturday, and leaving Sunday for questions. So, are there any questions? Any questions about anything? Question? Yes. I was talking to a person yesterday who is um, likes you very much, and uh, he has a problem. With, um, that is a problem. Could be that could be a problem. <laughs> that could be a problem. Yeah. Liking me. He has some trouble with this kind of today, this morning, and you brought up uh, something that Chirtananda told you, which I called him right after, that at the time of establishing his kind, Prabhupada said that this is a tool for spreading Krishna consciousness and it's not working. Um, and it could be abandoned if necessary. So Iskand and Prabhupada and the others as well. Well, I think that um, we have seen in modern Gaudiya Vaishnav history a what might be called uh, both a soft and a hard uh, form of institutionalizing the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. I have in the past at times likened uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to a great uh, waterfall. He, in the history of sainthood in the world, there's, objectively speaking, there's no single person who more uh, personifies and embodies ecstatic love. I mean, it poured out from his pores. <laughs> and uh, the descriptions of that are, uh, they're, they're, uh, are numeral, numerable, uh, a number of descriptions by different authors, um, a number of whom were personally present to experience his extraordinary ecstasy and um, so I have uh, at times likened his uh, persona to like a great uh, waterfall that's difficult to approach. You could stand back from it and appreciate it Hmm? but um, if someone were to with some engineering, turn it into a, a lake. Hmm? Then you could approach the lake, you could drink from the lake, you could bathe in the lake, and so forth. So, using uh, extending this, uh, playing out this analogy, if we compare Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to, Mahaprabhu to a great waterfall of ecstasy, really what happened in his presence was that his immediate associates, particularly the Goswamis, Rup, Sanatan, and following them, the others, Jeev, Gopal, Bhatta, and so forth, 
they located the extraordinary persona, ecstatic persona of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu on the scriptural uh, map, if you will. And of course, the scriptural map was something that largely at that time in Indian society was a, a standard of authority. Hmm? Obviously, there are different interpretations of the text and so forth, but the revealed knowledge, knowledge that was thought to have been um, brought down, so to speak, or brought from within and uh, extended outward. <coughs> They took his uh, persona and they located it on that map, kind of. What I mean by that is they, in the context of locating him, his ecstasy on the map, they also said it's off the map. Hmm. Um, which is what uh, Uddhava himself said, and Uddhava is well known for his scholarship, learning, Shastravit. He was the uh, advisor, brahminical advisor of Krishna in, um, in Dwarka and uh, Mathura. He, interestingly, of course he had a brahminical role as I'm speaking of it, but he was actually, Uddhava was actually the uh, Cousin brother of of uh, Vasudev Krishna, uh, Madhuresh Krishna, the son of one of Vasudev's brothers, Devabhag, I think his name was. But anyway, he was a very learned, and um, he was chosen for that and a number of reasons. It's a beautiful story, why and how Krishna met with Uddhava and uh, sent him to Braj. I've had in mind just as an aside for a number of years to speak on that and and Uddhava's instructions to the gopis and the people of Braj. In one of my visits here in North Carolina, I have to plan that out, uh, one of my upcoming visits. But, but at any rate, Uddhava was very learned and he went to Braj and he learned something. Hmm? He learned something that he didn't learn from studying all the scriptures, which was the ecstasy of the people there in Gopis and Radhika in particular. He said, basically this is off the map, so to speak. It's off the map, but it's it's where the map is pointing to, beyond itself. Rupa Goswami spoke of Krishna Nam in this way, in his Namastakam, when he said Nikila Shuti Api Ratnamolyam that the name, that the sounds of the Upanishads are like jewels in that they shed light, they give light. Hmm? But properly understood, these sounds like tattvamasi, aham brahmasmi, neti, neti. Properly understood, these sounds are shedding light on themselves to some extent, but more so extending their luminosity to point to and shed light on one sound, two syllables, Krishna, hmm? and where 
that sound can take us, which is beyond their reach. And Jiva Goswami said a similar thing uh, cited uh, by uh, Chi Jiva Goswami in Bhakti Sandarbha. Shrotam api upanishadam dure harikatamritam. Shrotam api upanishadam. The sounds, shrotam, of the Upanishads, which again are like jewels that give light, right? Dure hmm? harikatamrita, he said. They, where you can go by them alone, hmm, is leaves one far from where duram, far from where one can arrive by harikata. So, hmm? and then he says. Kampashu describing in the ecstatic, uh, describing in um, the um, ecstatic, if you will, language of, of Rupa Goswami, that the uh, involuntary transformations of of ecstasy, and implying along with that, satvigabhavs, anubhavs, vibhav, stayibhav, all the ecstatic ingredients that make up the bhakti rasa and particularly the bhakti rasa of Raj. You can't go there by the sounds of the Upanishads alone. You will be left far from there. Hmm. Maybe waylaid in, in Brahman, but to play that out, Brahman is a great uh, undifferentiated, indeterminate light and it's the effulgence of Krishna. So Shedding light on him further. So, um, <clears throat> so Uddhava, when he went to Braj, he learned something, even though he knew everything in the scripture. Hmm? And so, the Goswamis, in their time, they understood Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to be the very extraordinary personified form of Maranaki Mahabhav, the, the Rasaraj Mahabhav Duyekarup. In one rup, these two combining, Mahabhav and Rasaraj. Mahabhav means Radha, personification of the fullest measure of, uh, of uh, aesthetic rapture, sacred love. Mahabhav Swarupani. We talked about this the other night. Radha, Krishna, Pranay, Vikritihir, Ladini Shakti Rasmad. And and Krishna, Rasaraj. So these two, this when we say, when the Upanishads say, Rasovaisa, he is Rasa, Brahman is Rasa, then there must be two that must be one. But how can two be one? Two and two does not make one. One and one does not make one. But we are talking the language of love, not logic. Hmm? Logic is only useful to us as it leads us in the direction of love, which is beyond, takes us beyond its its limits. Hmm? What you can know with logic is one thing, the outside of things. You can know with love is the feeling for it all. So in love, it's a fact that one and one, the two, <laughs> you can say, Makes one, right? Because you and I become we. So it's a dynamic unity. The two are there, but they are they are one at the same time. 
we wouldn't think by math that by giving we would gain. But that is a fact of life. Hmm? And that is the feeling. Even though I might not have anything tangibly to show after I give out of my $10, five away, it may appear that I only have five, but I feel bigger for it. Hmm? If, I've, if I've truly given without expectation of return or uh, and so forth. Hmm? <coughs> As they say in Zen, more less is more. Something like that. Hmm? But of course, that sense, less is only more as much as Zero is positive in comparison to negative numbers. We want to go to positive numbers. This is bhakti. From zero, which is a positive, has a positive connotation in relation to karmic numbers and negative, being in a negative in debt, indebted position, beyond the zero to 108. So the Goswami, this Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is representing this, personifying this. And so, in a sense, as I say, they, they located him on the map. And this was then, through their writing, and a softer form of institutionalizing. Your question is about institutions. I'm saying there's a soft form of institutionalizing in the form of literature. Writing, in this case, about the all that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu embodied and uh, represented and, and so forth. Is a huge, huge subject and gives rise to very uh, uh, interesting and unheard of theological questions. As we find, for example, beautifully represented in Chaitanya Charitamrita, the very questions of God Himself. Usually, the theological questions are whether or not God exists from our point of view. Krishna's question is, everybody says I'm God, but am I? Hmm? Everyone is worshipping me, but don't tell anybody, but I worship her. Who am I? Hmm. This is Krishna in Braj, and that is, of course, the genesis of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the dispensation that we are all um, have been blessed by, right? Extension of that dispensation. So, the Goswamis... These are our Shastra Gurus. They're the founding Acharyas of, of the Sampradaya. In one sense, Gora Nityananda, Nityananda Prabhu, we could say in particular, is the founder of the Sampradaya because he was the first before the writings of the Goswamis to just give all attention to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and say, if you're like me, you know, listen to him, follow him, serve him. Rajagauranga Kahagauranga. This is contradicting Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. How could he be a follower? Hmm. <laughs> Krishna Mahaprabhu, Mahaprabhu said, worship Krishna, chant the name of Krishna, follow the teachings of Krishna, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared to contradict him. So when that such apparent, apparent contradictions take place uh, among such exalted personalities, you have to look a little deeper. And look a little deeper. He said, Nityananda Prabhu said, Bajagoranga, not Krishna. Kahagoranga, Lahagoranga Namri. And Yejana Goranga Bajasayamar Pranri. Who does that? Who chants the name of Gore, who worships Gore, who follows the teachings of Gore? I'm purchased by that person. Hmm? So when we look deeper, what do we find out? 
glorious Krishna. Hmm? If we look at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then closely we will see Krishna. If we look a little closer, what will we see? We will see Radha. Hmm? Radha, so. Mahabhav, Rasaraj, Duye, Karup. The two becoming in one in one form. And they wrote about this, right? This, this is what we're, we're, we're drawing from that. Hmm? Ex, uh, considerable uh, body of uh, theology and, and philosophy. Hmm? And uh, this then was a soft form of institutionalizing the ecstasy of Mahaprabhu. Hmm? A softer form of institutionalization. The inst- institutionalizing is is with a view to enable others to take advantage, to extend that uh, what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was about to others. Therefore, Srinivasacharya described them um, along these lines. What did he say? He said, Nana Shastra Vicharanaika Nipunosa Dharma Samstapako Lokanam Hita Hitakarano they took the scriptures, the larger body of scriptures, the Gita, the Bhagavad, the Upanishads, Mahabharata, and so forth, and they wrote Bhakti Shastras. They did what Vyas was told to do by Narada, expanding that exponentially. After Narada had compiled, excuse me, Vyas had compiled the, the sacred text, he felt undone, incomplete. So Nard appeared on the scene and said, yes, chastise it, because you have not, in any, in uncertain terms, laid stress on bhakti. Hmm. If people read what you've written, they'll think karma or jnana, maybe do bhakti for karma, maybe bhakti, do bhakti for jnana, or maybe jnana for its own sake, or karma for its own sake. Maybe we can, Maybe from your writing we could distinguish the virtues of jnana over karma, but mm, neither of these under themselves have the power to uh, afford us standing in transcendence. They are governed, respectively, jnana and karma by sattva and rajas. Mm, so they remain within the gunas. Only by the touch of bhakti do they have uh, the capacity to deliver the even ordinary goods in the form of karma or um, uh, penetration into transcendence in the form of jnana, which is its, which is its aim. Hmm? So, as you know, Vyasna was uh, chastised by Narada and, and instructed, You're a very qualified person. Hmm? He gave his qualifications, which made it clear that Vyasa was, uh, had capacity for contemplative life. So samadhi nanusmrata vijeshtitam, sit in samadhi, and, 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 and meditate on what my instructions are, and then, then do something, come, come out of that and do something. So Srimad Bhagavatam, of course, is the result of that. It is a, it is a, he went back and edited the Bhagavat Purana, and turned it into the Srimad Bhagavatam. It's a big difference in the, the two titles. The Bhagavat Purana, the book about Bhagavat, hmm, about God. Hmm. Srimad Bhagavatam hmm, is the book about what God's 
about and who he worships. Srimad, Sri means here Radha. Hmm? Bhagawan, worshipping, hmm? serving hmm? Radha. That's, that's quite a difference between the Bhagavad Purana. So, this is written in the Samadhi Bhasha, the language of Samadhi from, from Vyas. Hmm? And what he did was placed appropriate emphasis on bhakti. Hmm? So you have you have jnana, yoga, similar, and karma. Hmm? You have contemplative life and you have the active life. You have the life in pursuit of things, the active life, karma, and then you have the life in doing away with things, giving up things, and thoughts about them. Hmm? You still the mind hmm? and go beyond things and thoughts. Right? These two, karma and jnana, they cancel one another out. Hmm? So action in this world is in relation to things that don't endure. That is ignorance because we we are pursuing enduring life and happy life. Hmm? Things have no happiness in them. Hmm? And they don't endure. They are today and they are gone tomorrow. Right? So to pursue enduring and happy life in relation to things that don't endure and have no inherent happiness or joy in them, that is ignorance. Hmm? So karma... cancels out jnana, knowledge. And knowledge cancels out karma, because if you know, the corollary of knowing is, is vairagya, detachment, jnana vairagya. Janayatyasu vairagyam jnanam chayadohoitukam. And jnana and vairagya, they come automatically in the context of bhakti. Bhakti has movement and it has knowledge. Jnana hmm? has knowledge to some extent and bhakti and karma has movement. They cancel one another out. But bhakti, love, requires movement but uh, uh, some knowing, right? Krishna says, Rajavidyam manmanabhava madbhakto madhyajimam namaskuru the king of knowledge is, 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 is this love me. Hmm? To love me is to know me, so forth. Right? So, Vyas gave a, a central hub around which the sacred texts uh, orbit and in relation to which in co- are understood in context the other statements of the scriptures. Hmm? will be understood properly in relation to the Bhagavatam. Hmm? So, as I say, what the Goswamis did in writing about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his dispensation and institutionalizing his ecstasy in a soft form, in the form of literature, was to do what Vyas did, but like on steroids. Hmm? Exponentially. Sometimes their writing is referred to as Bhakti Shastras. They, they created some pradai or they, 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 they carved out a lineage under the direction of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu which has its own canonical 
texts. Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Ujbal Nilmani, Brihat Bhagavatamrita, the first work, the seminal work of Sanatan Prabhu, for example. Their Leela Grantas, Mukta Charit, and Krishnas Kaviraj as well, under their direction, and the blessing of Nityananda Prabhu with Chaitanya Charitamrita, Govinda Lilamrita, and so forth. I mean, it's, a, it's quite a list uh, beyond the ones you may be familiar with. There's, there's many, many. Uh, so they were very busy in this. And, um, and they did what Vyas was doing on another level. Hmm? Really. Hmm? So this is a soft form of institutionalizing the ecstasy and the persona and the and all of what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is really about, which is quite uh, mysterious. It's something that dawns in a most mysterious and uh, obscure Sveta Dweep. Sveta Dweep is like if you had an island somewhere in an ocean. What goes on there? Nobody can get there. And is it really there? We've heard things about it. Something like that. Hmm? This is. This is Golok, and within Golok, the Braj, the center, hmm? very private, secret place. Mahasankarshans, they are not there manifesting Tathastajivas for uh, imbued with bhakti. His own, it's Krishna's own associates, right? How to get into their company course, that's the teaching. Hmm? Very extraordinary. They wrote about this, right? In great measure. Now, this is a soft form of institutionalization, and it's a little more difficult to corrupt. Hmm? When you try to um, speak about, even to think about, or to think, speak about, or to put into practice the implications of all that, for example, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the spiritual reality that he embodies and represents, well, it's beyond words. It's beyond thought and the and the actions here within the physical plane. So there's going to be a limitation in your ability to put it into words, to, to, to even to think even to think about it. Not that we shouldn't think about it. Not that we shouldn't talk about. It, but there's not enough we can say about it. Hmm? The Maya bodies think. Well, there's nothing you can say about. Brahman, because Brahman is beyond words, beyond thoughts. So, if you ever hear them speaking, you should remind them of this. <laughs> and tell them, you should be quiet. <laughs> now, what does that sutra say? Ikshater na shabdat, ikshater na shabdat. They interpret this sutra of the of Vyas to mean that just this, that it's be, It's beyond the shabda, beyond the the, the, the shruti, beyond the, the sacred texts, the, the sounds of the Upanishads, the reality. Hmm? We translate it, render it, that Brahman, the absolute, is that not about which you cannot say anything, but about which you cannot never say enough. Hmm? There will never be enough words to adequately describe. We, we depict Anantasesh, right, with thousands of heads and thousands of mouths speaking about one part of one pastime forever and can never catch up and adequately do justice to it and describe it, hmm? in which you could live forever hmm? and never and always know more about it. 
Hmm? Much as Prem is knowing and Prem is complete, but ever expanding at the same time. Hmm? So, as I said, Bhakti is Gyan Yoga there about stop trying to become, just be. Try to become happy, try to become secure, try to become knowledgeable or aware. Stop trying. You are happy. You are a unit of happiness. You are a unit of knowing. You are a unit of um, being. Satchit Ananda. Stop trying to become, just be. It's good, good teaching. Hmm? And we say, stop trying to become, just be all that you can be. <laughs> By the ingress of bhakti. So there's a transcendental becoming as well. And it never ends. Krishna is himself becoming. This is the core, the centerpiece of our philosophy. He's trying to understand himself. Understand himself. Why? What attracts me? What is it about Radha that attracts me? He realizes it's something in me that she sees and experiences that I can't from my vantage point. So it is me. I am the center. The scriptures are right about that. But to fully experience myself now, I have to extend my own Brajalila. That is the Gorlila. Hmm? And that is overflowing. And, and we're still talking about it hundreds of years later now. And, and it seems interesting. Hmm? compelling, captivating. So, And we draw on these uh, core uh, literatures. That's why I, I've said sometimes we refer to the Goswamis as, yes, they're the founding acharyas of the Sampradaya, and they're the Shastra gurus. They gave the text. In other words, they took the broader body of religious texts that are used by other uh, Sampradayas, Ramanuja Sampradaya, or the Shankar Sampradaya, or the Madhva Sampradaya, the Nimbarka Sampradaya, and they explain them in a certain way to locate, as I said, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu on them. And so their books are what our Sampradaya is about. That's why we have to refer to them. Even in modern times, like my Guru Maharaj wrote extensive commentary on Srimad Bhagavatam, for example. Hmm? But in doing that, he was constantly referring back through the, to the core commentaries and he used to say his credit was that he was repeating it, not changing it, right? His credibility was that he accurately represented the tradition. He's, he's not to be seen in a vacuum, just popped out of nowhere, right? No. He has predecessors, he's part of a lineage, a teaching of hundreds of years, and, and so many texts and so forth, right? So if we read something in his... And in his books, he refers to these core texts and so forth, which is like saying to you, you know, if you have more information about this, go there. And if you'll find, if you do go there, you'll understand his books more because there are references to them, summaries of them in some, some instances and so forth. And sometimes, of course, there are time and circumstance um, applications of them that he that he writes about relative to what was happening in his mission at the time, I mean, I can tell you, some of my other god brothers and god sisters can tell you, 
this purport is written because Prabhupada was thinking about this and we were doing that and that was troubling him. <laughs> and now he's writing this here. And these are the people who were involved and so on and so forth. So there are those types of uh, statements and uh, paragraphs, purports and so forth. Uh, uh, there are a lot of different types. They're not all the same. Hmm? Hmm? So to read them, to study them, he told us, like scientists, sit down, study. You have to refer to other books and texts and even history and and this way you're going to get, a, a, you have a chance of, in, in, good, in good association, of understanding the, all the implications of them and avoiding pitfalls that could arise, like um, sectarianism, for example, which um, has greater, uh, there's a greater prospect for the ugly and pejorative sense of the term sectarianism Tarianism to rise and to show its face when you further, for the benefit of the people in mind, institutionalize the teachings by forming a corporation. You institutionalize them by writing books. It's a little difficult, more difficult to corrupt those, although it's possible and people do that or try to. But then to take from a soft form of institutionalizing and turn into a harder form and form an institution. We see this as was done by Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur in the form of Gaudiamath under the direct um, direction of and in pursuance of the fulfillment of the um, desire and idea of Bhakti Vinod Thakur. Bhakti Vinod Thakur is a, is a very significant person in our lineage because while the Goswamis, the founding Acharyas of our Sampradaya, during their time, about that time, in Europe, just to give you an example, there was a Copernican revolution, right? Where it was thought that instead of the previous idea that the planets are revolving around the Earth, the planets and the Earth are revolving around the Sun. This is a pretty big deal hmm, in Europe. And this idea, it, it, it depends how you look at it, but it, it might appear to be in contradiction to the Puranic cosmography and descriptions of the, the heavens and, and how they work um, and so forth. Hmm. Of course... You have to be a little thoughtful here, a little intelligent, because what the Puranas are really saying is, forget about the Copernican revolution. We are presenting the Atmic revolution. And everything, the planets, the sun, stars, is revolving around the Atma. And the Bhagavatam and the Goswamis at their time were busy saying, and the Atma is revolving around the Paramatma, and the Paramatma is revolving around Bhagawan. And all the forms of Bhagawan are revolving around Swayam Bhagawan. And your head should be spinning by now. So we've got several revolutions. We were, they were several revolutions ahead of the Copernican Revolution. And, all, and my point is that although there was information coming into Bharata, into India, about these European and scientific mathematical 
insights, the Goswamis did not deal with them. Hmm. There were other traditionalists in other lineages and other expressions of Hinduism who did try to deal with those uh, Copernic, that, those Copernican uh, insights and, and that revolution. And, and some of them tried to defeat that and say the Puranas say this and they were looking at the Puranas in a particular way and understanding them in a particular way as to be in direct contradiction to such teaching. Mm-hmm. And they had some problems with that. <laughs> uh, and then some tried to make a, make a, a blend and, and some said, well, it sounds like the Europeans are right on this and so forth. Our position, of course, the position of the Goswamis and why they didn't deal with it at all was because it's not really the two texts, the Puranic descriptions, the Bhagavad descriptions, and the scientific descriptions are not in in um, competition with one another. They're just looking at the world in entirely different ways. We're not looking at... We look at the world and we talk at the, about the world, the external world, about what's out there, we who are in here, talking about what's out there, really only with a view to help us understand who's asking the question, what's out there? In other words, who's in there? Our only concern with the nature of the world is understanding it, talking about it, is how much that angle of vision will help us to understand and experience the observer, ourself, and etc., whom he is part and parcel of. So it's a whole different... I mean, basically we say... Maya Shakti. Maya means, among other things, it means to measure. Maya means to measure. What's the implication of that? It's something you can't do. What is science about? It's all about measuring the world and bringing it in the fist of the intellectual grasp, conquering it, controlling it, understanding it, being above it then. Hmm? The teaching of the Bhagavatam is good luck then. You can't do that. So they went as far in as they could, looking for the what's at the bottom of it, and they found atoms, right? And they found particles acting like waves and acting like particles. <laughs> and they just shut the door. They said, "Well, we have to come back to that. We'll figure that out later." This is so they they found the observer there. Hmm? Has, has relevance. In classical physics, the observer, consciousness, if we can call him the observer, had no place. It was thought, well, there's no, no need to talk about that. Suddenly they, they thought, we have to talk about it, but we don't know how to talk about it. We don't we have to come back to that. Hmm. They don't understand it, even though 80% of everything we do in the world, technologically speaking, is based on quantum mechanics. Hmm. But what, it, what, it's, what the message is, in there, what's happening in there, that's, that's not understood. Hmm? Anybody who says they understand quantum mechanics does not understand quantum mechanics. <laughs> that's what we say about the Bhagavatam, right? If you say you understand the Bhagavatam, you have not understood the Bhagavatam. When you say, I can understand the Bhagavatam, then you're getting somewhere. Hmm? Yes, now you're an educated person, so, so that can be studied forever. Hmm? So, uh, Bhakti Vinod, by contrast, to the Goswamis, he could not ignore the modern world because it had landed at his door and the British had made Bengal the capital 
of their um, imperialistic um, pursuits within Bharat, right? Hmm? And so he couldn't ignore them. And he was therefore the first amongst a long line of Gaudiacharyas to to deal with 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 these these perspectives. Hmm? So it's a huge test. We should be so proud to be members of the Bhaktivinod Paribar. And Prabhupada, my Guru used to say, my movement is that this is the movement of Bhaktivinod. Pujapad Sridhar said, the idea came in Bhaktivinod. Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur gave some shape to it. And Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada took it all over the world. Hmm? Right? So, we should, our, our particular Paribar within Gaudiya Vaishnavism has some contribution to make. And, uh, and and uh, no one should know that better than ourselves, right? <laughs> and uh, and and in doing that, one of the things, as I say, that he suggested was to his to his disciple Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur and son to form some kind of an institution, which what the British were doing, they had institutionalized the uh, Christian teachings, you know, through. Whatever, and that the British didn't institutionalize, but there was the Catholic Church, the Protestants, and so forth. And they came here with a, with a whole system. Gaudiya Vaishnavism is a little loose, you know, like, well, you know, there's a lot of different Gaudiya people, and you know, there's no Pope, you know, who's in charge, you know, whoever you feel is in charge, is in charge, and, and is, yeah, <laughs> something like that. So to give it a little more shape and, 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 and try to make it even a voice. In the world, like, and what does um, Swami Swami um, Ashram have to say about that? We'll go to him now. See on in, you know, that uh, from the Gaudiya group. So they wanted Bhakti Bhaktivinoda wanted you know something like that. He wanted to put Gaudiya Vaishnavism on the stage of the world's the, the world's religions from obscurity in Bengal, its homeland, where it was misunderstood. Misrepresented, largely. Hmm? He wanted to correct the misunderstandings and put it on the world stage, the stage of the world's religions. And so he was very generous. Hmm? And the Shankar has done this and taken it so far. And in Christianity, we have the brotherly love, Sakyarasa also, and these broad kind of statements, very accommodating and so forth, to get Gaudiya Vaishnavism on the stage and then to speak about its its super excellence and so forth was his strategy and and of course he said i left this world my work un- unfinished and when my godbrother bishop john marsh asked Prabhupada, what did you mean Prabhupada said oh he could have finished it but he left something for us to do also so something for you to do keep busy something to keep busy with hmm? a lot to do so Bhakti Siddhanta under the direction of Bhakti Vinod, formed a, an institution, Gaudiya Mission, Gaudiya Math, and then they, they had uh, structure, more structure, and uh, and, uh, and of course, then getting further to, to your question, in in the wake of that, and the and and for that matter, the the limitations of that institution. That the Thakur Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur himself just talked about. Hmm? He formed this institution, Gaudiya Math, and then he talked about its 
limitations. So and 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 its potential for being corrupted. So it's a it's a form. The institution is a form to give shape and facility to access the substance that it uh, is formed around the essence. Hmm? So obviously the that that which it's about that's what it seeks to shed light on to share is more important than the institution itself you could look at it like there are principles and there are details the institution and how it runs and so forth and these are details and all the details are meant to promote the principle and if you know the principle and if you have understood the principle then there are no rules they're making rules are made to be broken. <laughs> so where there are rules, there's love is lacking. Where there is love, rules are there are no rules, right? Hmm? If we live together, say two roommates, everything's fine until you realize this guy likes to stay up late and play music and I gotta go to bed at, you know, early and so there's a problem. So then we sit and we make a list of rules and put it on the wall. Hmm. You will go to bed at this time, I won't get up before this time, we will compromise. So it's a breakdown, right? Hmm. So rules and all and this 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 is more by Kuntesque, right? Hmm. We want rag bhakti, Mahaprabhu giving rag bhakti. So there there are no there are no rules there. Hmm. How to deal with God, there are no rules. You can wrestle with him, right? you can keep him out of the kunja, you can, it's, it's a very extraordinary um, idea. So, <clears throat> the institution, Prabhupada himself said that ISKCON, which was his institution, which was like a reincarnation of Gaudiya Math, Bhaktisiddhanta criticized his own institution for perceived shortcomings. I'll give you one example. He struggled uh, to establish a marble temple in Calcutta, the Bagh Bazar Math. Now you can find all kinds of marble temples in India, but at that time, within Gaudiya Vaishnavism, to have a temple made out of marble in Calcutta was unheard of. Hmm? The temples, there were temples formed by the Goswamis out of sandstone in their times, in the Dhams, hmm? but, but from their time, since Radha Govinda, Radha Gopinath, Temple Madan Mohan, for centuries, we didn't find Gaudias doing that. But what they were doing was, the Goswamis, they were living in, in Braj, Rupsanathan, Jeeva Goswami, under the, under the instruction of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and they were preaching and writing, and they were getting the patronage of the kings. Hmm? And so you weren't a king. It's not how much money you have which determines wh whether you, where you are on the wealth meter. It's how you spend your money. Hmm? So if you didn't have a temple for yourself or your Rani, your queen, or you hadn't you know, built a ghat to commemorate a, 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 a Leela Stali of you know, chastising of Kaliya, seen by the Goswamis, then you, you, you didn't have anything. So the kings, they got the patronage of the kings. They were they, These Goswamis, we, we say they were living under a different tree every night, that's true, but they were on TV at that time. 
I mean, there was no TV, but they were on the TV. You understand? They were like, they were speaking to the controlling powers, were listening to them and asking their opinions and spending money on them. Mm-hmm. So Vrindavan developed in this way. Mm-hmm. After that, then we don't find big temples being built mm-hmm. like that for in, in the same same measure. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the most part, at the time of Bhakti Siddhanta, Sarsitaka, Bhakti Vinodakur, Gaudiya Vaishnavas were living in the Dhams, in Vrindavan Dham, in Nabhadvitam, in, in, in Jagannath Puri, doing the bhajan and so forth. And, and so to leave there, go to Calcutta, and to make a marble temple, this is like, you know, this is what he did. This was his revolutionary idea for spreading Krishna consciousness. So he did that. Pujala Raga Patabhagaurabhabhange Matalhadi Jankirtanarangi. This song, this one line, two lines from his song, were written with regard to the building of the the temple there. It's about Rag Marg. So it's very peculiar how he looked at things very in terms of what was how it was thought about it at the time. He was building a marble temple in Calcutta in order to enter into the Rag Marg. And we thought, well, you're crazy. His own brother thought, you know, what are you doing? You know, like, you're leaving the Rag Marg. But he had his idea that we should worship the those who embody the Rag Marg, these associates of Krishna, Sridham, Sudham, Lalita, Vishaka, Nanda, Jashoda. We talked a little bit the other night who they are and who we are. Goodness. There is a there's a quantitative and a qualitative difference, right? As we explained. Goodness. Hmm? So, and we, and we want to function like they do in that private island. We, we need their blessings. Hmm? We can't go there with our shoes on. Hmm? So his idea was we should worship with great reverence those people in the Ragmarg. Not worship Krishna with reverence, but worship the Ragmarg concept hmm? with by 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 speaking about it, teaching about it in eighty percent teaching what it's not and how it's been misrepresented hmm? and giving them a bad name. Hmm? Giving Lalita a bad name, giving Rupa Manjari a bad name. Hmm? He couldn't tolerate that. Hmm? So he had a preaching strategy. Okay, This was his idea. And he said that by doing that, and in this instance, they were speaking about such, raising money and throwing it at the temple. People saying, well, you don't think you should give that money to the poor? Wouldn't that be a better idea? God doesn't need to eat, right? His teaching was, you don't need money. <laughs> what about that? <laughs> Here's what we do with money. We throw it away, in your opinion. And that's right. We, are. we were throwing it away. We're teaching you. It can't buy you love, right? Money can't buy you love. It's an old song. <laughs> so, throw it... <laughs> At the deity, the Ragmark deity, Radha Govinda and Mahaprabhu, Gaur and Radha Govinda. This is his. He fashioned this, this Yogapit. Hmm? Radha Krishna and Mahaprabhu, hmm? Rasaraj Mahabhav, Duyekarup. The two becoming one as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? 
And he said that in due course, by preaching, by Hari Kirtan, hmm, by Hari Namsan Kirtan, Pujla Raga Patabhagora Vabhangi Matala Hari Jan Kirtan Range, so through Kirtan, then that the the Srup Shakti itself will open the doors to become sympathetic and the reverence for the Marg will be will be broken and you'll be invited in. This is this idea. So after he had done that and towards the end of his manifest presence in the world, he also said he had opened 64 mosques. I mean, in Madras, at Kurukshetra, this place, all over India, right? He had sent some emissaries to London, which was the leading country in the world at the time, right? All over the world. It said, nowhere did the sun set on the British Empire. Now the sun never shines in the British Empire. <laughs> so, and uh, Brexit and all. So, so... <laughs> So, all of that inst- hard kind of harder form of institutionalizing the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to make them available to people, hmm? he said, and he said it to our Guru Maharaj, my Prabhupada, and I think he said it at, at Radha Kund during the Brajmandal Parikram, that then they are fighting over the rooms. Who will stay in which room? Better you sell the marbles, he said, and print books. So the point being that in his own admission, the hard form of the institution, with all the good intention and all the good that it does, it can also be, become disadvantaged, dis- disadvantageous at some point, subject to, to corruption and being, rather than a facilitator, Something that gets in the way. Hmm? So we have that history. Then Prabhupada kind of reincarnated the Gaudiamath in the form of International Society for Krishna Consciousness, which I was a member, in which Prabhupada said, you are a pillar of ISKCON. So that was very kind of him. He wrote me that you know, in the letter. Um, so I know a little bit about it. Uh, I haven't visited it for about 35 or 40 years now, but I know something about its its history and and uh, Prabhupada's intentions for it and so forth. And yes, it's true that at the time of signing the corporate papers for ISKCON, Prabhupada said, now we are forming this corporation, but if it gets in the way of Krishna consciousness, we will disband it and form another one, something like that. So... Now, it's not for me to say that it should be disbanded or anyone should leave it or I'm not, I'm not a member and, and I'm not a member because of my own um, convictions as to how I could better serve my Guru Maharaj in the position that I am in, the position which brought me, uh, uh, which finds me under the shelter of Pujapad Sridhar Maharaj, who Prabhupada uh, had said it was his own Siksha Guru and whom we could learn much from and whom um, in the final days of his uh, manifest presence, Prabhupada told us, and I was massaging his feet at the time, that if you want to get consult with anyone after my disappearance, my brother, Bar- brother B.R. Sridhar Maharaj of Navadweep is 
is a fit uh, person to do that. So I was uh, um, fortunate to have that. And he asked me then to, to go, and he said, you Guru Maharaj has told you everything, go and initiate, form an institution, try to uh, serve him in that way. So we, we were happy with that. Uh, and, but um, um, it's possible, as I'm saying, that an institution like ISKCON or any other such institution, Godiamath, while being established only for the purpose of spreading Krishna consciousness, can get in the way of it. That's kind of what your question's about, right? It's possible. We have historic examples of that. Now, persons have to see for themselves whether that's true. If, they, if, we're in, if it's facilitating or if it's, it's getting in the way, uh, if uh, it's good to have a sect, it's not a negative thing, and have its own way and form and shape and go in Madhi Purusham, Jami at seven o'clock every morning. I mean, we don't do that enough. It doesn't make us bad. It doesn't make that bad or good or whatever. But that's something that Prabhupada did and. And it's good. You know, that's you know, for me. It reminds me of him when I go, if I were to go there, because I tended many, uh, many of days uh, right behind him when he would nip into that really um, rich charnamrita <laughs> and uh, take a big sip and, and put it on his head and prostrate himself and throw some flowers that had been given to him during the walk. Like this, before Radhagubinda, Mahaprabhu, Jagannath Swami, and so forth. Then turn, at least in Los Angeles, and see the big picture of Nishinga Bhagawan, like this, and take his seat, and so forth. Of course, I was with him in many temples around the, around the world. Um, many more morning walks, also. He's very kind to me to uh, include me, even though I wasn't a sannyasi or a GVC. He, was, he allowed me to come. Then he gave me sannyas in 1975. But um, um, it's possible that um, someone may find that the institution is getting in the way of their uh, Krishna consciousness. And, and we have examples of that. So each individual has to make that kind of determination. To what extent is the institution accurately representing the teachings, philosophically speaking? Hmm? Um, is, is a question asked, to what extent is the institution, uh, I mean, in my opinion, a big institution like ISKCON, which is so so big, what it is meant to do, in one sense, is to recognize Krishna consciousness wherever it is. Hmm? And be the authority, the ultimate authority. Say, it's over here. There's Krishna consciousness over there. There's Krishna consciousness over there. There's Krishna consciousness over there. And we have a publishing house called the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust. And if your book is Krishna conscious, you would do good to publish it with us because we have distributors all over the world. Hmm? And our Guru Maharaj wanted us to have the world-class, like Macmillan version of publishing for, Go for, for Gaudiya Vaishnavism and beyond. If you have a Sri Vaishnav book, hmm? a Ram Bhakti book, hmm? we also publish that. Hmm? 
and we'll have our editors, we'll see if it's Krishna conscious, if it is, then we will we'll celebrate. Who would not want to be part of that group? But if it would be such that they would say, there's no Krishna consciousness over there, that's not Krishna conscious, that's not Krishna conscious, that's not Krishna conscious, it's only here, that starts to be kind of, kind of questionable for the objective person who's maybe a member of ISKCON, hmm? his daughter is initiated by Narayan Maharaj, his son is married to a disciple of Govinda Maharaj. His wife, his second wife, is, or third, <laughs> you know, it's like what's on the ground is one thing. What the, you know, what the, you know, you can't say, sorry, wife, you're not bona fide. You know, I can't hang out with, I can't associate with you. So uh, it could be that. Uh, that the uh, uh, sectarianism is, is in a in a positive sense takes a, you know becomes uh, you know, um, starts to express itself in, in a negative way hmm? and gets in the way of sadhu sangha for example and uh, um, sadhu I mean look let's look at Prabhupada's father okay I mean if this is where we should a good example to follow it frustrated Prabhupada but but Prabhupada's father, if any sadhu or anything that looked like a sadhu was around, he would invite him to his house and provide him even a pipe to smoke from if they smoked. Hmm? And so he, Prabhupada was a little frustrated, like, I don't know if these guys are sadhus, you know, dad. <laughs> but he erred on the side of caution, hmm? right? <laughs> and uh, it's better to have a samskar for that than a samskar for avoiding sadhu sangha, right? That would be that would be worse. And of course, you can invite him, and if he smokes, you can think, well, probably I'll be nice to him. But anyway, I'm not going to listen to him. Don't have anything to say? It's worth worth listening to, perhaps. So this is this is very important because obviously it's very central to the teaching. Sadhu sangha is is the birthplace of bhakti. Chaitanya describes the janma of bhakti. Bhakti comes only from bhakti. It doesn't come from anything else. There's nothing you can do that will give you bhakti. If it, if, if it could, it would be superior to bhakti. So bhakti is superior. Bhakti controls Krishna. I mean, you can't get any higher than that, right? Wherever bhakti goes, Krishna has to go there. He has no choice in the matter. Hmm? So Krishna is independent, Bhagavatam says, Abhijnana Swarat. But he's not independent of Radha, of Bhakti. He's controlled by Bhakti. Of course, Krishna properly understood Itarata, Anvayad Itarata. He's directly and indirectly. He's, he's God directly, and Radha is indirectly God. Right? So the two together. But anyway, hmm? Such is the position of bhakti. She can give Krishna. And so only she can give herself. And she does so in the form of sadhusanga. Sadhusanga is a form of bhakti, a very substantial form of bhakti, and it is the birthplace of bhakti in our, our lives. And it fosters, more than anything else, our progress in bhakti as well. We may benefit more from hearing from a, from an advanced Vaishnav for an hour than a year of chanting japa. 
and trying to read a book that we just, you know. <laughs> hmm. Right? And it's, not, it's supposed to be exciting and make you weep. And, you know, you're, you're supposed to be. <laughs> I'm reading it. But it's not working entirely for me. And, and what's on Facebook? <laughs> and what's happening? What's happening in the real world here? So why those books are not doing to you what they're supposed to do, what you've heard, don't, don't just pretend you're supposed to be doing this, so I'll pretend they are. Hmm? And I read it, you know, I did that. Okay, I went to the Mongol, I did that. So hmm? To get something out of that, from the book, for example, we need sadhusanga. They will bring out, you never saw that. I read that a dozen times, I never saw that there. Wow, and where does that take me to? This is, this is what brings to life those those uh, texts, for example, and the practices we do, and, uh, uh, and 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 so forth. So we really don't want to develop a samskar for avoiding sadhu sangha. That would be very detrimental to us. So that if if our group, whatever it be, Chaitanya Saraswatmat, Iskan, Gaudiya Vedanta Samiti, or whatever, if it becomes too uh, sectarian, if it starts to Rather than facilitate, then it, it, then to um, get in the way, then it's a problem. So I mean, I'm just answering in general. I'm, it's up for you, everybody, to decide, you know, where to go and where not to go, or, or whatever. But uh, does that answer your question? Or I was thinking you might just say that. Very much so. Okay. Could Prabhupada be wrong about something? Is that what you're saying? No. Oh. That's not my but it's possible, though. Right? I'll explain I that. But. This person I'm talking about, and by the way, the recording was not meant to be turned over to the TV series. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> I'd love to talk to them. <laughs> I got a lot to say. Right, okay, so that part of your question. So, is there a difference between Prabhupada and Well, that's what somebody has to make a de- determination on their own. If he's a, a god brother of ours, which is, uh, seems to be the case, uh, uh, or, or he was in Iskon. No, no, he's just someone who uh, likes you and. Uh, well, well, that could be a problem, but yeah. <laughs> well, um, is there a difference between Prabhupada and Well, Well, you know, okay, I'll give you an answer. Prabhupada said, Iskan is my body. Okay? All right. But Prabhupada's not his body, so. <laughs> he also taught that. So you've you got to take both those things and, you know, think about that a little bit. So what is the soul of Prabhupada? Hmm? To be honest with you, the soul of Prabhupada was, was his, he said it himself, his emotional ecstasies, his purports, the books that he was writing, right? Hmm? And he, 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 he uh, legally separated his publishing of his books, which was incorporated as the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust, from his organization, the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, which was a separate group of corporations. Hmm? Here's the softer form in the books and the harder form in the institution. He separated them. And one of the reasons he separated them is because if the institution would become corrupted, the books would still be there. 
that people could take advantage of. So Prabhupada um, wisely uh, uh, set it up uh, like that, and um, and his guru Maharaj told him that if you ever get money, print books. You can sell the marbles in the temples to print books, and so on and so forth. So yeah, there, there you know, there there could be a difference between. Um, Prabhupada and ISKCON. Let's look at today. Okay, let's look at today's ISKCON. Today's ISKCON, for example, um, gives us a certain window into Prabhupada. Does it give the whole picture? I would say definitively no. And I'll give you an example. I'm an example. All right? In, in 1982 or 3 or 4, 1984, I think it was, I... Um, came under the guidance of Pujapatrita Maharaj. At that time, the GBC had passed a law that you could not have take siksha from Sridhar Maharaj. Hmm? And if you did, then you couldn't be in ISKCON. And they had some rather unflattering things to say about Sridhar Maharaj as well, unfortunately, at the time. So I decided, well, Prabhupada taught we shouldn't offend Vaishnavas. He also, I was personally massaging his feet when he said after he departed, if he wanted it, Philosophical advice, you, or she, she, you could go to Sridhar Maharaj. So, I thought, well, that's the difference between the governing group and their policy that governs the the, the institution and the teachings of, of Prabhupada. So, I, 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 therefore, opted to follow the teachings of Prabhupada, and I didn't want to offend or be connected in any way, even remotely or indirectly, with offending uh, Pujapat Sridhar Maharaj. So I followed the GBC, and I left ISKCON because I couldn't be. There was their order. If you want to take, then you can't be in. So I did everything. I followed the GBC, and I left ISKCON at the same time. And um, so what what did I experience then? Um, if you want to compare notes about Prabhupada and service to him and so forth and fidelity to him and so forth, I'd be happy to come. Anybody want to talk? If you think you're a greater Prabhupada, more, you know, have greater chastity, fidelity to him, well, let's come talk about it. We'll see. You know, I'm, I'm happy to share notes. And if, if you're a greater devotee of Prabhupada, well, great, I'll follow you. You know, uh, I don't know, not so sure these things need to be measured, but at any rate, sometimes they, they think that people like myself who left ISKCON, maybe they like Prabhupada, but, you know, not entirely because... If they liked him fully, then they'd obviously be in his his society. So they think like that. I don't think like that. In ISKCON, you're going to get a certain picture of, of Prabhupada. One of the things that you're going to get is a picture of Prabhupada that does not include Prabhupada having a relationship, loving relationship with Sridhar Marsh. That's just not included. That's written out of the equation. But Prabhupada did have such a relationship with Sridhar Maharaj. He lived with him for six years. Sridhar Maharaj lived with Prabhupada for six years in Prabhupada's own house in Calcutta. Prabhupada said, you know, so many things. 98% glorifying Sridhar Maharaj. In one letter, he criticized him. Hmm? And when Sridhar Maharaj heard it, he said, ah, that's Swami Maharaj. He did not even spare me in his criticisms. <laughs> yeah. So, so you. You, you, you want to look at the whole picture, right? If you look at the whole picture, everything that Prabhupada said and look at the history, you realize Prabhupada had a relationship with Sridhar Maharaj, which was very uh, extraordinary. Hmm? And 
So I have, I know everything that ISKCON members know about Prabhupada, the whole history and and so forth, right? I've got that side, and I've got Prabhupada in with terms of his relationship with Sridhar Marsh. So there might not be everything, just as an, an example, about the, the, the features, aspects of Prabhupada's being, personality, bhakti, love, and so forth, that's not in ISKCON. So there could be a difference in that sense between Prabhupada and ISKCON. Now I don't, you know, ISKCON could completely misrepresent him too, and 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 uh, you know uh, he could be absent. Hmm? That's also possible. Hmm? I mean, if I, you know, I, I could turn over in my samadhi and say, hey, I'm not a member of the Sri Chaitanya Sangha. Those guys are nuts. You know what they, th- how are they misrepresenting, you know, everything I, you know. So that's possible. Hmm? Yeah. You you want me to weigh in on this? Is it true? Is that is it Prabhupada? You know, like rolling over in his samadhi? You know, well, that's another. You know, I don't talk about that in public. You know, I have I have some thoughts about how things could improve and how could Prabhupada could be better represented by ISKCON. But if people feel nourished in ISKCON, I'm the last person to tell them that the, that they shouldn't be there. They should be where they're where they're nourished and and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yes. They were what? Temple. You gave the example that during the time of the Goswami, mm. they were on what we would call CNN. They were right outside yeah. because of those big temples. So in the old days, ISKCON was worldwide known, you know, everybody mm-hmm. in the U.S. would, would follow up the stage. Nobody knows Hare Krishna. <laughs> well, again, I'm not a member of ISKCON for the last 35 years, so I can't really say how popular or well-known they are, but... Uh, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> They're not on the world stage, probably, in the way that uh, they probably hoped they were, or where it seemed like we were going to be. But that's true for all of Gaudi Vaishnavism as well. It's not like I'm on CNN, you know, <laughs> and I wouldn't want to be personally. That's another thing. I don't. I don't there are, you know, different temperaments for different types of devotees. So you've got some work to do. You're a Prabhupada's disciple. You've got some work to do. So, long answer to a big and thorny question. <laughs> so, anything else? Harinamdas ki jai. So we ask all the Vaishnavas, Vaishnavis, please take a minute to give your blessings to a new member of our Sampradaya your prayers that he may make some make considerable progress in his life.